Blog Talk Radio. Well, Jews around the world are celebrating Purim tonight, a joyous holiday that teaches lessons about strength and pride in identity. So don't be surprised if you see lots of kids in colorful costumes. CBS 2's Cindy Shu explains. Hello. In the Rappaport home in Borough Park, children are wearing costumes because Queen Esther, the heroine of the Purim story, had to disguise her Jewish identity to survive, but then revealed herself to save the Jewish people. Children go house to house collecting donations for charity. We collect a lot of money for the, for the schools because it's one of the four commandments of the day. Another commandment is listening to the Book of Esther, which tells the story of Purim. And many families are bringing gifts of food to friends. When it comes to traditional dishes eaten on Purim, such as stuffed cabbage or kreplach, which are dumplings filled with meat or potato, part of the food has special significance. The good part is hidden and wrapped up. So we have to know that in all of nature, we don't see God, but he's hidden somewhere. Many are heading to local bakeries for special treats, like this huge Purim hala. This is going to feed a lot of people. It is. You're having, I think, 50 people coming over. And you'll find lots of hamantashen, a three-cornered treat filled with everything from raspberry to rosemary chocolate. Which is your favorite? Mine? I can eat 100 apricot hamantashen <laughs> in one sitting. Strauss Bakery only carries hamantashen for the holiday and made nearly 100,000 pounds of the special treat. Another commandment is to eat, drink, and be merry. <laughs> so happy Purim. In Borough Park, Brooklyn, Cindy Shu, CBS2 News. And while Purim ends at sundown, for many families, the celebration will continue through tomorrow. Excellent excuse to eat some good cookies, mm-hmm. right? Chion Gonzalez has landed his left arm in the Bronx. How does this fit into a Yankees rotation that could really use some healthy pitching? Is Gio the shot in the arm the Bombers are looking for? All this and more on today's episode of Pinstripe Talk. Welcome to another episode of Pinstripe Talk. I'm your host, Eamon, joined by my co-host here, Anthony. Um, how are you doing today? Doing quite well. Doing quite well. Yankees may have uh, taken a hard luck loss today with a 2-1 loss to the Astros. But yep. uh, with, with their B squad out there today, it's not the, the worst thing in the world. Although it's still spring training. So we have a very good season to look forward to. And we have uh, a new pitcher. We have a new pitcher in the fold. We have Gio Gonzalez. So I just signed to a minor league deal. He makes a major league. It'll be $3 million big salary. So we are getting a speeded shot in the arm, potentially, with the acquisition of Gio Gonzalez. Now, before we go into Gio, we have some awards to give out for our weekly awards in spring training. Now, uh, Eamon, would you like to uh, let me know who uh, you crowned as your MVP, signing rookie, and Gold Glove Award winners? All right. Um, so I... I- I actually gave my my rookie. I was I couldn't really find any, and I based it off of um, I think before uh, the game that he played. Um, I think against the Blue Jays. I gave it to Flor, uh, Florio. Uh, three. He had a three fifty five batting average, and uh, I think you know he's almost hitting four hundred in spring. That's that's a pretty big sign uh, that he's you know doing well and. 
you know, was ready for the big leagues almost. And my player of the week, I gave it to, I gave it to judge again. Um, he's just been, he's having an, one of, one of the best springs I've seen in a while. I mean, he's, he's just, he looks ready, locked in um, and ready to go. And my pitcher, I have to go with Sessa. Sessa has, you know, I know we picked him last week, but I got to pick him again. He's still doing really well. He's, he's going to be probably competing with Gio for one of those last um, starting spots. So I have to go with him. And um, yeah, I would love to hear uh, what uh, your rewards are. Well, I'm giving my MVP to Gary Sanchez, um, really because of the last few games. Now, this is a this is a kind of a word you can give it to uh, Judge every week because he's that good. Kind of like uh, back in the day, you can you can give the uh, the MVP to Stan Musial every year because he's that good, or Mike Trout because he's just that good. But uh, I'm giving it to Gary Sanchez. He's had uh, multi two multi hit games this week uh, with two doubles, three three doubles in the week. So um, Gary's an MVP. Um, my sign award is going to go to Luis Sessa. Uh, eight scoreless innings this past week. Um, rookie is going to outfielder Zach Zenner. Uh, quietly, quietly this spring, he's had three home runs and five RBI. So uh, he's going to be my rookie. And my gold glove will go to Glaber, um, Glaber Torres, uh, due to the play he made today against Houston. Uh, rocket off the bat of uh, the Astros outfielder George Springer, that Torres made a uh, lovely play to his left um, and throughout the, uh, the, the speedy center fielder. So those are my awards of the week. And with that, Let's get into the newest Yankee, Gio Gonzalez. Now, Gio Gonzalez had little to no off interest this spring for any teams. He was just quoted saying today that the Yankees offer was pretty much the only one he had all winter. He really kind of fell into the Yankees' lap, and with the pitching that they need, it could be a very big shot in the arm. Now, he's not going to be ready for opening day. His pitcher, you know, wild for spring training. That's why spring training is as as long as it is. Hitters don't need it. The pitchers do. So Gio will not be on the opening day roster, but he could make a very big impact shortly thereafter within the giving weeks, especially with CeCe and Severino's injury. Now, do you give me, please, Ian, give me your, give me your take on the, uh, the newest Yankee left-handed pitcher, Gio Gonzalez. Yeah, I, I think this is a good signing. Um, if you've looked at Gio's history, he's he's had – solid seasons. He's pitched 31 starts solidly almost each year. Um, he is a little bit shaky the last few years um, with him starting with the Washington Nationals and he didn't do so well and he was on the Brewers last year and he did finish uh, strong and I think that's what the Yankees uh, hope that they get uh, from Geo. I like how they're starting him in the minors um, to, you know, work out uh, anything that he needs. And when he's ready, if he does really well, I think, you know, that's a great deal giving them only 3 million for a guy that's been pretty strong with, you know, staying healthy and stuff like that. Um, I think that's a great, great uh, pickup for the Yankees and could be a little bit of a steal uh, for them as well. Yes, uh, definitely. Gio could be a, a very big impact for this Yankee team. Now, I did see something today where uh, some people who are close around the Yankees and beat writers were saying how Gio obviously could be a starter for this team, and um, if, if need be with injury, 
um, he could definitely fill in. But Gio, they're not ruling him out of the bullpen, which would be which would give the Yankees another long run out of the pen, which I really wouldn't mind. Um, in fact, I'd kind of welcome it because I mean our bullpen's amazing as it is, but adding a guy like Gio Gonzalez, who's been a dominant pitcher at some points in his career, I mean last season he was well between the Nationals and the Brewers, um, his season was. Not his best. He was ten and eleven with a four two one. Although with the Brewers, he was three and zero with a two one three ERA. So that's something to be said for Joe Gonzalez's season. Um, hasn't really been a, a bullpen arm since a very long time ago. Oh eight oh nine. But the last year, he pitched out of the bullpen consistently, and even then, it wasn't that consistent. So you worry about that slightly, but I do believe Gio could assist as far as uh, the bullpen goes, but. It is March 20th. Um, there's a reason spring training starts in the middle of February. Because pitchers need time to get their, their arms right, they need to stretch. It's, it's a whole big process before guys can get to, uh, to opening day. So I think Sevi, uh, not Sevi, I think Gio will, be, will have an impact on this team, just not right away. Now, I did mention Sevi a second ago. I slipped up, but I did mention him. So let's talk about Sevi for half a second. I have some people around me, some smart baseball people around me, thinking that Severino could be injured more than the Yankees are giving off. Um, and they made a reactionary signing and signing Gio Gonzalez. I don't think that's the case. Um, Severino pitched, he didn't pitch, he threw uh, 25 throws today from 60 feet and said he felt pretty good. He said he felt pretty good, which is a very welcome sign. He felt no issue. So that's a very good thing to see from the Yankees and their ace. So Sevy is on the mend, and CC is going to be out for about two weeks, uh, recovering from his heart issue. He's through a sim game um, yesterday and before that. So those two guys are on the mend. Um, but if hey, but if Sevy needs a little more time, if if, uh, if CC gets hurt, or if, if God forbid Pax or Hap or, or uh, Tanaka end up a little banged up, you have no there to start. So I think Gio, Gio will be on this team, whether it be in a bullpen arm or a rotating piece. He will be on this team in, uh, in some capacity. Even, and he has an opt-out date on April 20th. If he's not on the big league club, you could see him opt-out if he's not up because if they don't need him. But I, I, think, they'll, I think they'll have Gio Gonzalez on this team for the long haul. Yeah. Um, I think he's definitely going to have to come into play um, I mean, I would think they would use him. Um, bull, a bullpen option wouldn't be bad, but as you said, he hasn't been in the bullpen for many, many years. So I would definitely think he would be a guy, I don't know how long into the season, but I would, I think whoever's injured, uh, hopefully not, but I think he'll definitely take that spot and, you know, make make it his for for then. Um, until some of those people come back, but um, yeah, I think the Geo signing is is it looked like a steal for the Yankees. Looking at what their team is already, um, it, it's already good. And adding a guy like that for the contract that he got that he you know agreed to, I think that is just something that the Yankees really have to you know pat you know pat themselves on their back. And say, you know, we got, we kind of got a little bit of a steal, but I think also Geo wanted just to be on a t- on a team, because um, spring training's almost over. I'm pretty sure he wants to, you know, be in the regular season, play on a team, and uh, you know, hopefully win a championship. Definitely weighing on his mind, and want to be on a good team. And when the Yankees came calling, 
Uh, he knew a good team when he saw it. He's not going to look. He's not going to look a gift horse in the mouth just because of minor league contract. Um, and I can even see Gio being on this team in a greater capacity due to the fact that we just lost our our six eight relief pitcher Donald Batanzas. Uh, Donald Batanzas will begin the season on the injured list um, due to. Um, arm arm trouble. Um, let's hope it's not nothing anything serious. But he was topping out at about 92 miles an hour this spring. And if anyone who watched Don Batanzas throw knows he tops out at 100. So there's definitely some cause for concern there. Um, the bullpen is full of closers, so it's not like we have anything to worry about there with uh, Chapman, Anovino, Green, uh, and Britton, as well as guys like Holder, uh, Kainley, and Tarpley. So uh, you could see G and fit in that role. There are several roles you can see Geo uh, sliding into, and um, it also this also gives um, some inspiration, I suppose, to guys like Herman and Sessa, who might not want to lose their jobs, who think that they deserve to be on this team and they want to go out and prove themselves. And they see the Yankees, Geo Gonzalez, waiting in the wings. They're going to try to pitch better. If they don't pitch well, then here comes Geo and. At, at, for, for $3 million, a minor league contract, it, it's kind of like Tulowitzki in the sense where you can't pass off the deal. It's a no-lose situation. You can't lose a situation like this. Obviously, Tulowitzki was um, signing at league minimum for, for one season. It's, it, it's, it's a beautiful thing to see that um, as far as the Yankees are concerned. So I really believe uh, Gio will help this team uh, in some capacity at some point around mid-April, uh, mid to late April. So, it will be uh, it will be a welcome sight to see Gio in the pinch, uh, hopefully helping out the uh, the big club. Yeah, I would love I would love to see him come, hopefully up uh, before you know Severino comes back, just so we can see how he is. Um, obviously, you know we want Severino back. Um, he's going to be out till May, which was a little bit longer than I thought. I didn't think this this shoulder injury was at no big of a deal, but I guess it is. Um, I'm glad he's taking time with it because we don't want, you know, it to happen again. Um, but yeah, Gio Gonzalez is definitely going to be a guy that is going to make some of the younger rookie pitchers a little worried and um, will be exciting to see, but that will be it for the Gio Gonzalez segment. Um, and we'll see you guys in a little bit. Hello, it's Tim from the Amazing Mets podcast, where every Thursday night we cover everything you need to know about the New York Mets. On this week's episode, at at 7 o'clock to 7.45 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, we will be interviewing Mets prospect Blake Taylor. We will also be going over who the Mets should contract extend. Should we extend the National League Cy Young of 2018, Jacob deGrom? Should we extend young flamethrower Noah Syndergaard? Should we extend Brennan Nimmo or Michael Conforto? I guess you'll have to find out on the Amazing Mets podcast coming this Thursday at 7 o'clock at 7.45. Please call in and then we'll answer any questions you have. Thank you and hope to see you there on the Amazing Mets podcast. All right. Uh, welcome back. Um, b- before we get into our uh, next segment here, if you guys want to call in and ask any questions, the number is 845-277-9345, and uh, you can come on and we'll ask or answer any of your questions. But let's hop into 
a topic that uh, was a little bit, I guess we were a little worried uh, when we saw it, but um, yeah, Aaron Hicks's injury and a little bit, we kind of got a little bit of an update. Um, what do you think? Well, Hicksy's lingering back injury concerns me. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to sugarcoat it for Yankee fans listening to hear me say that he's going to be just fine because I don't know if he's going to be just fine. Um, whenever I hear injury, I always get concerned. And I always think back to, to one player. It's, it's a bit of a stretch because he had very, very, very bad lingering back problems. But not Mattingly. Um, obviously, our old Yankee fans will know we've seen him Mattingly. Um, he was the best player in baseball, and then he had a lingering back issue that led to the end of his career. That kind of curtailed how good Donnie could have been. Um, now, this, I don't believe in anything close to uh, Don Mattingly's back, back troubles, but back problems are hard to shake. Uh, that's not really, um, that's not really like a just astounding statement to say. A lot of people kind of know that. Um, now, they gave him. Um, they, they, they did give him uh, a few injections to, uh, to hopefully ease his, his, his lingering issue, and they said it's eased up. I heard conflicting results from people saying he's going to start the year on the injured list um, to people saying that he's going to just miss the first series against Baltimore and then be back for the series against Detroit. Now, what's going to happen? I guess we'll have to wait and see. Uh, but Aaron Hicks being out for an extended period of time uh, has uh, a pretty pronged uh, issue for the Yankees, given that just signed to a seven-year extension for $3 million. So they have some money locked up on this guy. And two, he's our outfielder. He's our center fielder. He's the guy up the middle who you know is going to be a consistent force. I mean, just given his last two seasons, I mean, he's been a very consistent Yankee with a batting average hovering around 250-260. He's going to hit you 20, 25 home runs, uh, play gold glove defense, uh, drive in, what, 75 runs, 675 runs. He really is a stabilizing force for the Yankee team, and I, I I can't stress how much he matters to this team. So having him out for an extended period of time uh, puts a definite damper on the Yankees and their season. Now, let's certainly hope he's not out for a long period of time. I, I don't believe he will be. I, I really believe he'll be. He'll be pretty good. Um, but, I mean, you have Judge who can play a little center field, and Stanton can play right and left. So you, you could do a few things um, with outfield. But actually, as of right now, we have a uh, caller who will talk to us about oh, okay. uh, some non-Yankee news. But uh, hey, let's, let's, right. let's stretch our legs a little bit. Let's stretch our legs. Let's, let's, let's talk about some Bryce Harper. Hello. Hello? Yes, man. Hello? Hello? Hey, how's it going? Yeah, so I was calling uh, to see what you guys thought about the Mike Trout deal and if you think that Bryce Harper is currently at home crying. <laughs> uh, Bryce Harper made no secret that he wanted to be the highest paid, highest paid player in baseball. It's an alliteration. Um, he, that he signed after Machado to make sure he got more money than Machado, which he did, $30 million more. Um, and... Weeks later, here comes Mike Trout with a $430 million contract. Now, to all my Angels fans out there, uh, 
lucky you because you have to watch the best player in baseball play every day and that you have him for the rest of his career. Uh, do I think Bryce is at home crying? I think Bryce is at home upset. I'm not going to lie. I think Bryce is upset. I mean, he. I heard reports today saying that Bryce – Bryce texted Trout saying, I, I, I try to get the, the biggest contract, so in two years you can, you can, out, uh, you can, out, you can get more money than me. So um, mm-hmm. Bryce is really being that altruistic and that like, uh, oh, good on you, brother. I'm glad you, I'm glad you got more money than me. Uh, if that's true, then hey, Bryce is a, better, is a better man than I thought he was. But um, personally, I think he's a little upset because he made no secret that he wanted to be the highest paid player in, in baseball, and uh, now he's not. So <laughs> So I do think he's a little how do you, upset. How do you, do you think, think? Uh, the team, or how do you think he's going to react to now being in Philly after that contract? You think he's right. going to be a little bit uh, like upset with the team itself? No, I don't think the, the team. I don't think he'll be upset with the team that the money they gave him. I mean, obviously he can't control what the Angels gave Trout. Um, he got he got a huge contract. I don't think anybody's going to be upset with three hundred thirty million dollars, but. To go off of that, I think Bryce didn't want to be in Philadelphia. Uh, Bryce really made no no bones about it that he kind of didn't want to be there. Him nor Nancy. Mm-hmm. They just kind of, after it was all said and done, they just kind of went to the money. They both wanted to be at places like the Yankees. New York. They don't, yeah, they wanted to be the Yankees. They wanted to be with us. They really, uh, they really made no, no bones about the fact they wanted to be in these big markets, not in Philadelphia and not in San Diego, where Machado went, so I do think there's some. They're, they're a little bit upset about that, but uh, as far as the money Bryce got, no, I don't think he's upset at the money. I think he's uh, he's happy with the money he got, and um, just a little a little ticked off that uh, Trout so quickly made a hundred million dollars more than uh, than Harvey. Yeah. Even yeah, well, that's that's a really good analysis, and I uh, appreciate you taking the time to talk to me. Any time, yeah. then. Uh, Thank you for the thank you for the questions. Um, call him call him whenever you please. All right, sounds good. Have a good day, guys. Yeah, thank me you too. Very much. All right. Some very some very good uh, questions about uh, about Trout and Harper. And remember when they were when they, when they were being brought up as uh, as players, it was always it was always Bryce Harper is, is the the next coming of Mickey Mantle and. Oh yeah, there's other very, very good ball players coming up today. Mike Trout. They both could be very good players, but Bryce is going to be the best, the next big superstar on the cover of magazines. And <laughs> look, look what happened now. Look how it turned around. How Trout is becoming a modern day Mickey Mantle, <laughs> and uh, Bryce is becoming the enigma that had one good season, sorry, one great season, won the MVP, and has been up and down ever since. So it's interesting to see. But uh, we. <laughs> We must digress to our Aaron Hicks discussion. Now, please, tell me what you think about Aaron Hicks and, uh, and what he means to the Yankees and how this injury is going to affect the team. Um, I think this injury, you know, it's a back injury. It's, it is something to worry about because um, it, can, it can keep happening. I could definitely see if he doesn't take the time for it to heal and stuff, it could keep, you know, he could keep getting injured. With that extension – that also could be a little bit, you know, we can get a little worried about that. Um, this could open up a spot for maybe Clint Frazier, um, you know, getting some time out there now that maybe Hicks is out. Uh, but I do think it will affect the team a little bit. I mean, you have a switch hitter in your lineup with a 
with, you know, a lineup that doesn't have a lot of lefties, it's all really right-handed heavy. And with that type of, you know, guy that has, a you know, he could hit with, you know, both sides of the plate, I think that is going to take a little hit for the offense. I mean, we have from, you know, top to bottom a great lineup, but with him out, I do think that will be a little bit of a problem. Um, but we'll, we'll have to see. I would love to see what they, you know, they could do. Um, but, yeah, I definitely think, you know, this is not something to sleep on. We have to see how this goes, and hopefully Hicks can get out there and uh, be be healthy and play some uh, some great ball. Well, I, I can't wait to see him back healthy. Uh, he, because, I mean, last season, he, he, it was obviously his best season in the big leagues. You just look at, look at the year he had. 27 home runs. Heavy on RBI. The 240 in batting average could be better. But he, to say he's instrumental to the success of this team is kind of an understatement. I really do believe quite heavily in Aaron Hicks. Um, yes, the outfield flexible. Uh, yes, you can call up Frazier. Yes, you can play Wade out there. Um, uh, you can put Stanton in left and play Guardian center. It's – but. I guess you could do all those things, but did not have Aaron Hicks. Not have that switch hitter at the top of the lineup who can steal your base when he needs. He stole 11 bases last year. Um, can hit, pull out of the ballpark if need be. Um, it's it's going to make a little bit of a mess um, as far as as far as the Yankees go. Um, so I really uh, I really am the speediest of recoveries, um, if, if, if not just for the Yankees, if, because, I mean, the man, could, I want the man to be healthy for, for himself. So um, I do believe that uh, this injury will not linger beyond um, beyond the month of April. I don't even think he'll make – I think he'll be back within the month of April, uh, all, all things going well for, uh, for Aaron Hicks. Let's certainly hope that because – he adds something to this line they don't really have. Um, a potential left-handed power bat. If Bird does not win the first base jump, then uh, Hicks and Gardner are really the only two guys who will be, who will be batting left-handed at any time, um, which is kind of scary considering the fact that we have, what, that would make seven righties at a time. Um, so he's not only valuable in his skills as a batter, the skills as a fielder, but also from what side of the plate he bats. Because you can't just fill a team full of righties and, and, and then they, you, you run you run to a guy like Craig Kluber and they expect to play well. So he, he adds so much more than than just being a, a, a very good hitting, very good fielding center fielder. He he really is instrumental to the success, the success of this team and um, him being hurt is a big blow to us. Uh, when I first heard about the injury, I was not expecting this to be lasting this long. So um, it just shows to you how uh, how fickle an injury could be. Um, even even a little one, uh, such as uh, such as a, a back injury. Yeah, um, I think the Yankees are definitely playing it cautiously. Um, obviously, they definitely don't want him to have this again. Um, I actually thought he was going to be, you know, ready for opening day. Um, but it looks like it might take a few weeks after opening day for him to come back. Um, so, yeah, I mean, 
they have to, you know, trust him. Uh, hopefully the injuries, you know, nothing bad after, you know, it heals up. Hopefully it's just a one and done thing. And um, it doesn't affect him for the years to come. Cause that, you know, that extension is, it's a, it's a long extension. Um, and I don't want, you know, I don't want him to, uh, to get affected, I guess, since the Yankees did give him a seven year deal uh, or seven year extension um, you know, they don't really know what could happen in those seven years after this injury. So I really hope, you know, the Yankees could, you know, figure out what's wrong with them. Obviously, it's a shoulder injury. I mean, a back injury. Uh, hopefully they, uh, you know, know what they're, how to get this, I guess, I guess not quicker, but make it so that it doesn't happen again. Yeah, but preventative uh, measures so it doesn't become a lingering issue because, like I said, back issues are a real problem. It, it kind of it derailed the career of a potential Hall of Famer um, and dominantly had made him a Hall of Famer. So it can really, uh, really curtail a, an injury. It can really, uh, it can really curtail a, a season or potentially a career. Uh, so these are definitely things to be taken quite seriously. Um, so Aaron Hicks... Uh, we through the speediest of recoveries, and hopefully you'll be back playing center field very, very shortly. But that will be it for our segment on Aaron Hicks. We'll be back very shortly with all the changes that baseball is making to the rules. So we'll be talking about that in a moment. Hello, Diamondbacks fans. This is Blake here from the Rattle Up podcast. With opening day approaching ever so close, the D-backs face numerous tough decisions concerning the opening day 25-man roster. In the bullpen, do we see Rule 5 pick Nick Green make the team ahead of veterans like Mark Zipchinski and Matt Andres? And on the offense, guys like outfielder Socrates Brito and first baseman Christian Walker are both out of minor league options and would have to make the 25-man roster to avoid being put in the open market. We will break down our predictions for the club on opening day along with other spring training news. All that on this week's episode of Rattle Up this Friday 8 p.m. Mountain Time, 11 p.m. Eastern. That's 8 p.m. Mountain Time, 11 p.m. Eastern. See you there. All right. Welcome back. Uh, welcome back. Welcome back. Um, and welcome we actually back. we have a, a caller, so I think we'll we'll take that um, for the uh, the beginning here. Uh, I think it's uh, Dom from New York, and he wants to talk about the uh, home run derby. Gentlemen, how are you? Haven't called in in a while, uh, so I, I have a quick question. <laughs> yeah, they they announced they recently announced a prize for the winner of the home run derby, which as a fan makes me excited. But then it takes me back to the Abreu days, when we all recall how great Abreu was, had that one home run derby year, and then finished. So do you think players are going to be pushing hard, especially someone like Judge, who's not making a lot of money, because now they can possibly win a million dollars. And do you think eventually that can hurt a player like him for, you know, hurt his swing or over push it? Uh, very good question, question. Dominic. This is one of the, uh, the the new rule changes coming into Major League Baseball within the coming season. So actually, this is going to transition us right into our next topic. But um, Judge, as just an example, has already come out and said that the million dollar um, prize for the whole, for the home run derby. Will uh, will not affect his choice to play. 
he has made it very clear that he is uh, he, he does not want to do it again. Uh, the home run derby uh, back in Miami, and he ended up getting a shoulder injury and needed off-season surgery uh, for that injury. So he's made it very clear that um, the home run derby he did a few years ago would be his only one for the for the foreseeable future. Um, so I could see I could see other players uh, potentially trying to. Uh, to to, uh, to push themselves a little harder than they should for the for the million dollars. Some young players, um, as, as an example, say Vladimir Guerrero Jr. comes up this season. He plays very well. I mean, obviously he's making the league minimum because he's a rookie. Um, so he comes up and tries to push himself and, and going home run derby and uh, tearing a small muscle on his arm or or pulling something. Or it could be detrimental to the player, um, which I could see as a negative. But overall, I think the uh, the, the home run derby uh, with a prize is a positive due to the fact that it adds more incentive for the game's best players um, who have the most power, Giancarlo Stanton, Aaron Judge, no, Aaron Judge is not going to play, Joey Gallo, um, a lot of other real, real big power hitters who belong in the home run derby or will be in the home run derby. You won't see guys like uh, Charlie Blackman, uh, who's had power, but he's a a smaller guy. So hopefully this will incentivize some some of the game's best to come out and play uh, in the home run derby. So I do think it could be a slight detriment, but more often than not, it's going to be a positive. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, it's not a big prize. I mean, you know, comparing to what, you know, the players, like the big guys make. Um, but I think the young, the younger rookies, um, if they get them involved in it, I think, uh, I think it's something to add to the winning and could be, we could see bragging rights, uh, pe- you know, rookies going at it. So I think it would be good competition. Um, but yeah, I don't think it's really eyeing any of like Harper, uh, Machado, you know, any of those guys, I really don't think they would, uh, see that as anything big for them. Uh, yeah, I, I see your point. I, I totally see what the, what you're saying there because I mean, they are making millions of dollars. What's another million? Um, which is yeah. coming from a man who doesn't make a million dollars. Obviously, it's uh, it's kind of sad to say, well, it's not a million dollars. But <laughs> I'll never get to that point. So, um, hey, I'd take a million dollars, but I can't hit home runs. So uh, that's one that's one one rule we actually have to um, we had to address. Thank you for addressing that. But um, now we're going into the rule changes for the coming seasons, and they're doing it in two phases. They're going to do rules that uh, affect 2019, and then rules that affect 2020. The 2020 rules are a bit more involved. Uh, 20, 2019 uh, inning breaks will be reduced by um, by a few seconds, uh, so commercials will be cut down a little bit, which may speed up the game. It's perfectly fine. This one's interesting, actually. I'll get your I'll get your take on this in a second. Um, the waiver period uh, will be eliminated. The July 31st trade deadline will be the only deadline. So players can still be placed and claimed on outright waivers after July 31st, um, but trades will no longer be allowed uh, at this time. So there's only one trade deadline, and that's going to be on the, uh, on the 31st of July. Uh, so please, let me know uh, what your thoughts on that, uh, on that trade deadline is. Um, the trade deadline news is because uh, that's, a, that's, a, that's a fairly big rule change. Yeah, that's 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 a little interesting. Um, I think when it if it's not going to be implemented, I think this is 2020 we're talking about. Oh, no, this this coming this is coming into effect this season. This season, um, I think it's going to make the deadline 
instead of it being a little slow, I think it's going to make it where teams are going to try to get, try to get, you know, trades and stuff out. And it's going to be a little while that, that one, you know, last, you know, few days of the trade deadline. I think it's going to be interesting. I, I, I totally, I totally agree with that. It's still, still be very interesting and still be very cool to see these, um, the, the, the deadline as it is, because the deadline as it is is phenomenal. I love the trade deadline. Uh, you see you see a lot of, um, of activity, obviously. But uh, you won't see a guy like Justin Verlander or Gio Gonzalez be moved like that again, because as we remember, Verlander was traded very late on August 31st, and uh, Gio was traded around the same time. Um, so you won't see those anymore, but those will get done um, in July. Other, uh, other rule changes we have here, we have um, – we mentioned the All-Star game. Um, the number of mound visits, uh, mound visits will be changed from six to five. Um, so this will um, this will definitely be a minor, but definitely something we should be talking about because we have we, ha- we had very few mound visits. The mound visit rule was uh, was interesting because um, it kind of shaved time off the games. It allowed um, a little less strategy, I suppose. You guys like Gary Sanchez go out to the mound all the time and talk to their pitchers. So you have to um, you have to take uh, that with a little grain of salt because it's not the biggest rule, but also something you have to uh, get to be mindful of. Now, those are the big those are the big rule changes for um, for 2019. Now, in 2020, uh, there's a there's a very a very big rule change for us, and that is the rule change about the three batter minimum for pitchers. Uh, there's another big rule change as well with, uh, with, with um, roster sizes, but the three batter minimum for pitchers is the one we should probably talk about in length right now. Um, it, this is the exact, we're going to read it uh, verbatim right here. Rule 5.10G will be amended to require the starting pitchers and the relief pitchers must pitch to either a minimum of three batters or to end of half inning, which with exceptions for incapacitating injuries or illness. So they have to pitch for three batters or to end the inning. So if you bring a guy in with two outs to get one out in the inning, then he won't go pitch that one out, and that's fine. Uh, but if you bring a guy in to start the inning, he has to finish the inning, which I, I, I'm torn. I'm torn because, yes, it would lead, it would lead to less uh, confusion and Taking pitchers in, taking pitchers out, just consistently with, consistent with the mountain visits and, and replacing pitchers. But it, it's a big but. There's less strategy. You, you, are you you really going to lose a game because you, you you're bringing your lefty to face? Well, just years ago they were bringing Clay Rapata, the Yankees would, to face David Ortiz to get that one out, that one big out. But Clay Rapata can't pitch to righties, so when you, when the next guy comes up. He's going to be behind the ballpark, so I don't necessarily agree with this rule. I I'm not I'm not a I'm not a staunch hater of, but I just I'm not the biggest fan. But please tell please tell me what you think about this uh, this three bar minimum uh, for, for for pitchers starting and relievers. I this is a little confusing why they they thought of this. Um, it just makes it look like if a pitcher is struggling, 
that it's just going to blow the game apart. I mean, I don't think anybody really wants to see a pitcher struggling that really needs to be taken out, and the game just is unfolded. It's, you know, way, you know, beyond the winning for that team, and I just, I don't like it. I think this is also going to be an issue, which is a little, is also another rule that's coming up with rosters. I think this is going to be really interesting for pitchers and relievers and closers to see this because if a guy's wild, I think it's going to be a, it's going to be a long, long inning for, uh, for the regular watcher of that team. Uh, yeah, it's, it's going to, it's going to get rough because I mean, as Yankee fans know, Dellen Batantis for as good as he can be. I mean, you know, if he's a or not after a few pitches, Dellen is you know, very wild and throws a ball apart, can't throw a strike. You hit around, or is dominant Dellen. So, do you really want to have Dellen go in there and face three batters to walk three batters and have the bases loaded, um, and then have some guy come in and try to put out that fire, which is nearly impossible to do? Um, it's going to be uh, a rush, a rough roll, and I just, I just, I'm not a huge fan of it. Uh, I, I think there could be a lot of issue with the rule. There's going to be a lot of issue with the rule. Um, I mean, guys like. A former Yankee manager, Joe Girardi, would, would hate this rule. Remember, Joe loved the bullpen. He went to his book all the time. And he would bring in, he'd bring in Clay Rapata, the, the submarine lefty, to come in and face David Ortiz. And he'd bring in the submarine writer, Cody Epley, to face Henry Ramirez. Um, so you have th- – th- there's a strategy. There's, you you want to bring in guys to face the right batters. So it's, it takes out a lot of the strategy of the game. I know why, they, I know why they're doing it. Uh, to eliminate the seven, eight relief pitchers who come into a game. I mean, that's a lot, but still. Um, it, it eliminates the consistent mound visits to come and take out pitcher. If a pitcher, you got to get one, guy gets one out, guy gets them one out. So they're eliminating that. Um, I, I, to, to a degree, I understand it does take a, lo- a, lo- a long time to replace a pitcher in every batter or so just because of strategy. But I think the, the strategy of the game really is really what should dictate um, should, should dictate the game, not the rules dictating strategy of the game. So that's the three batter minimum for pitchers. Uh, the other rule, which um, I'm going to read off, uh, is a roster size. The roster size of from opening day to the 31st of August will increase from 25 to 26, with a minimum number of active players rising to 24 to 25, and the roster size for double headers. We'll go from 26 to 27. And also, the 40-man active roster for September will be eliminated, which actually I like a lot. Uh, from September 1st to the end of the regular season, all clubs will carry 28 players. So <clears throat> 28 players will be the September roster as a maximum, um, and the 20, and the 25-man roster will go from 25 to 26 from opening day to the 31st of August. Hey, I like because even, as I just mentioned, there's a lot more strategy in the game. There's a lot more relief pitchers um, come, in, come in and pitch, so it'll help with injury. So I do like this rule. And also, having 40 men on a roster in September was just ridiculous. There was too many players. You can come in and burn. Your, you can have so many guys in that bullpen come out and just throw, and you don't know the player. It's, it was just ridiculous. So I do like this rule. Now, uh, we're running out of time here. Eamon, please give me your, please give me your, uh, your thoughts. Yeah, I, um, I think adding the – extra player to the uh, roster for 26 is it looks good. It gives uh, options for other play, you know, other players to join. And I think the, uh, 
the 40-man reduction in uh, September uh, wasn't really necessary. I think it's good. I, I completely see everything you're saying, and um, these rules will uh, definitely have an effect on our game. Let's just let's just see if it's good or bad, and we'll have to wait till next year to see these these major changes. But uh, that is it for today's show. That is it for today's pinstripe talk. We had a lively conversation. We had a great show, and we had some lovely callers. So uh, thank you for a great show. Uh, I've been Anthony, my co-host, Eamon. Yep. And uh, we will uh, we'll see you next week. See you guys. If I can make it there, I know I'll make it just about anywhere. It's up to you. Pinstripe Talk is produced by Benson Sexton. Pinstripe Talk is a production of the Baseball Podcast Network. Be sure to give our hosts a follow on Instagram. Eamon at Yankees Network 99. And Anthony at AF Simeon 16. That's A-F-S-I-M-E-O-N-E 16. For more Pinstripe Talk content, be sure to head over to our website at baseballpodcastnet.com. And be sure to follow the Baseball Podcast Network on all their social media platforms. Instagram at Baseball Podcast Net. Twitter, at Baseball Podcast One. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-1. YouTube, at Baseball Podcast Network. And SoundCloud, at Baseball Podcast Network. Thank you for tuning in to Finster Talk. We'll see you next time.